Companies are always looking for ways to upskill their workforce, especially in periods of high turnover or high growth. They're always looking to figure out who can be the expert trainer in our organization so we can take the knowledge from the top performers and pass it on to everyone else in the organization. It might seem natural to pick those exact top performers and have them become the trainers in your organization, but unfortunately, this is a really bad idea that can lead to some pretty bad results. So in the video today, I wanna break down some of the differences between top performers and really great trainers so that you can tell the difference and make sure you're making the right selection and not basing it off of incorrect information. Welcome to Making Better a podcast from Better Everyday Studios, where we dive into the science and art of making individuals, teams, and organizations better. Whether you are a learning leader, an instructional designer, or a trainer, this show will give you practical lessons to drive positive change in others. Let's get started. If this is your first time on the channel, my name is Matt Jertson. I'm the founder and chief learning officer of Better Everyday Studios. Before I started this company, I was an instructor pilot in the Air Force. I led training and development for SpaceX for a number of years. And now I work with companies of all sizes in all industries to help them speed up the development of the employees within their organization. Okay, so let's look at the first major difference between top performers and really good trainers. And the first place to look is how people make their decisions. You see, a top performer tends to make their decisions very quickly. They have really, really detailed knowledge of a subject. And so a lot of the things that they do, a lot of their actions are driven by unconscious processes that are you know, in the back of their brain that they can't even explain. And this is one of the things that makes them often poor trainers because they can't explain it to those other individuals. A good trainer needs to be able to explain their decisions so that other people can learn for them. And so though it might be great to be able to react really quickly, if you don't know exactly why you're reacting, well, then it's not gonna be very helpful if you're trying to teach someone else. So when you're looking for a good trainer, that's one of the first key distinctions is ask them why they are making the decisions that they're making. And if they can't really explain them, then they're probably not going to be a great trainer. The second major factor you can use to determine whether or not somebody is going to be a good trainer is their use of documentation. Because again, since top performers work really quickly, often they already know all the documentation. And there's a lot of things that they maybe don't reference all the time. Whereas any trainer needs to know the documentation, you know, where to find the documentation and how to use the documentation so that they can show new people how to get it. They should always be referencing the documentation rather than just working from memory because that's the only way that new people are going to learn that documentation if they actually get in it, read it, and use it every single day. So usage of documentation is another key differentiator between somebody who is a top performer and someone who's going to be a top trainer. The third critical factor to look at is pacing because top performers by virtue of being a top performer, are usually really fast. They are used to working at their own speed, at their own pace, and they can sometimes get frustrated if they have to slow down. But of course, 
that's exactly what a trainer is going to have to do. They're actually going to have to pace themselves with the slowest person in the group to make sure they don't get left behind and make sure that they understand the process as they step through it. So when you're looking to determine whether or not somebody would be a good trainer, don't just see, oh, they can work really fast and decide that's going to be the right person. You should watch them and observe them to see, are they going to get really frustrated if they have to slow down? Do they notice if other people aren't keeping up with them? And do they naturally, you know, take a step back, take a pause to let them catch up? Because if somebody's not doing that, then they're going to have a really hard time, you know, keeping everybody up to speed within a classroom and keeping the whole group moving forward. Or even one-on-one. If they're just working one-on-one with a single individual and they're getting really frustrated with how that person's not picking up a particular element of what they're trying to teach, they're just going to get frustrated. That frustration is probably going to be put against the person that they're trying to train, and it's just going to be a bad situation for everybody. This also relates to the final key factor that you want to look at, and that is whether or not they are able to understand and adapt to how other people work. Some top performers do really well working on their own, and they have a very particular work environment where they feel comfortable and they don't really want to work on in any other way. But of course, if you're a trainer, you have to be able to adapt to the way other people want to work whether it's the the method or the situation, the environment that they want to use in, you have to be able to adapt to how you're communicating with them, not just the pace, but the style with which you're, you're working so that they feel comfortable and they can pick up what you do. Ultimately, you know, the trainer's job is to impart information regardless of how that other person receives it. And so if that message isn't getting across, it's not the receiver's fault. You know, it's not the trainee's fault. It's the trainer's fault. And so they have to be able to adapt their message again and again to multiple different environments so that whoever they are teaching uh, that me- that message gets across. And that's something that not all top performers are going to be used to. They have, the, you know, top performers have their mode of operating. They're really good at it. And they're just trying to execute. But you're trying to execute something different when you become a trainer. And you need to make that shift so that you're primarily focusing on is this message getting across? And kind of the method of how that message gets across doesn't matter anymore. It's just whether or not that message is effective. So when you are looking to, you know, create someone, make somebody into a trainer in in your organization, I think these are four major factors that you want to look at. First, you want to just simply find out, can they explain the decisions that they're making? Second, whether or not they can use documentation while they're doing their work. Thirdly, you need to look at, you know, are they able to change the pace at which they work in order to factor in people who are just learning or aren't picking things up as fast? And then finally, can they change their teaching, their their communication, their work style to suit whoever they are training? If if a high performer can do those four things, then they're also going to be a great trainer. But it's just really important to realize that not every high performer, in fact, I would argue maybe most high performers aren't going to be good trainers. And you'd actually be better off finding somebody who's uh, maybe more middle-of-the-road individual contributor. If they have these four traits, then they are going to be an excellent trainer. I hope you found this video helpful. Uh, If you did, make sure to subscribe to the channel. We have a lot of other content that is really aimed at helping you improve your organizational effectiveness through employee training. Have a great day.